Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right out of the week, and we are talking pass rush as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 247. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with a couple of guests here this week once again. First up, our Coaches Masterclass series continues, and we are now on our fourth week of this series, and all of them have been just so awesome. The coaches have been outstanding. They've shared so much information. Again, the topics we've covered so far include zone block, versus gap scheme blocking with Eagles offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland. There's the different types of quarterback progressions with quarterback coach Press Taylor. There's run fits, which, which, we, which we did last week with linebacker coach Ken Flagel. This week, we've got another fun one because we've got defensive line coach and run game coordinator Matt Burke where we talk about pass rushers. What are their primary moves? How do they work off of them to win one-on-one? And then how do coaches try to create those one-on-one matchups? A chunk of that conversation is here in today's episode of the podcast, but for the entire breakdown, and I promise you do not want to miss this. This is one of my favorite ones so far. Make sure you are tuned in this Thursday at noon Eastern time on the Eagles YouTube page. We keep the pass rush conversation going here on this show, though, with one of the best pass rush teachers in the entire country, a guy that works with a lot of the top pass rushers in the league today. And that's Chuck Smith. We talk about building a pass rusher from the ground up, which traits matter most for guys getting after the quarterback. I love this topic that we're covering today. So it's obviously so important, obviously, in today's pass-happy NFL. But let's not waste any more time. Let's dive into our chats now. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joined today by Eagles defensive line coach and run game coordinator, Matt Burke. Matt, welcome to the segment, man. Excited to uh, talk some D-line play here today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. So back early in the offseason, after the Eagles signed uh, Javon, Javon Hargrave, we ju- we uh, jumped on here. We did a little bit of a video chat. And we talked about not just Hargrave, but about D-line play in general. And one of the things you said uh, in that conversation was the need for guys to, to have a fastball and then work on some counters off of that. And so uh, I feel like that's the, the best way for us to kind of start this conversation is just talk about some of the guys that are here on the squad now, some of the fastballs they've got, and then some of the counters uh, that they've got to be able to pair with it. And we can start uh, with Fletcher Cox, if we can jump into the film. Sure, cool, yeah. Um, you know, I think I think we're going to focus a little bit today on the, on the tackles, you know, and, and for us, um, you know, a lot of times those edge rushers get all the focus, you know, with, with – and, and we have, you know, great rushes with BG and Derek and stuff. But um, I think we have some talent inside, and sometimes those guys get overlooked. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to focus on the tackles. And so, you know, for for us, and I think just in general, again, a very base level that in terms of, like, the fastball, that a lot of stuff for these guys is set up off, set up off a power move, um, you know, some sort of bull rush, um, you know, something where they're using power and force and then have a counter that sort of is more of a, a move off of that. So um, you can see here, if you know, and Fletch is Fletch. So he's, you know, he's a unique <laughs> player. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to take a lot of credit for anything that happens on this tape. So, um, but, uh, you know, you can see with Fletch here, you know, his power move, the, the thing that makes Fletch special as a big guy, and if you rewind here, 
you know, obviously he, he, he goes right down the middle of this guy and strikes, but you know, the thing that makes Fletch special is he's so quick for a big guy. So you can see as he's going into his strike, his two hand strike, he's already starting to shed that guy. So when he gets that lift on the guard, he's able to release off it like right away. I mean, it's almost simultaneous. That's really hard for guys to do. Um, so you can see he's getting into his power lift and shedding at the same time. Um, he's able to get off of his move so quickly like that. Um, you know, so this is sort of everyone has to respect him just being able to, I mean, really like two hand punch and throw. I mean, again, this is, I mean, this is just Fletch being Fletch to some extent, but um, you can see the power. And then again, and it's still working through the running back. I mean, they try to bring a second guy on him to, to help chip on him and he's able to power through that too. So, you know, Everyone has to respect Fletch being able to do this to them. And so that's kind of one of his starting points. Yeah, he's a guy that just coming out of Mississippi State early on, you can see not, not just that explosive first step, but coming along with that is that raw power and his ability to just move people uh, against their will. And one of the things that we saw a little bit there is that he's able to gain so much ground for a guy that big while still executing his pass rush move. Like, you know, some guys it's like they, it almost is one versus the other. He's able to do both mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah, I mean, and that's definitely something that we preach. Um you know, you can't be segmented in your rush. And, and especially, you know, in the NFL these days, I mean, the balls are out so quick. You know, there's schemes are, are designed not to let you rush quarterbacks. And and so if you stop your feet to make a move, it's really hard to then either restart or just get there in time. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's the difference between, you know, pressures and sacks or or nothing in a sack or, or whatnot or QB hit. So um, he's if you watch Fletch, he's constantly gaining ground. So even into his power move, He's constantly going north-south and gaining ground towards the quarterback, which, you know, is necessary, you know, again, and especially in this league where where there's a, a pretty short clock on what we're trying to do. When I was starting out my career back in Detroit, you know, Gunther Cunningham, who just passed away this year, um, was our defense coordinator. And his he, he had coached Derek Thomas. Uh, he was with the Kansas City Chiefs for a while and 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 a lot of great players. Um, Leslie, Leslie O'Neill, Lee Williams and all these guys. And. Anyways, he used to say there were three parts to their pass rush, and it was get off, the move, and then the close once you get past your move. You know what I mean? And sometimes guys make that move when they mm. can't. I mean, Fleck is excellent at – he makes this move right here and then finishing that close and gaining those last, you know, four or five yards to get to the quarterback. So, you know, that, that three part. And, again, like we talked about earlier, you can't be segmented in it. You can't go get off, make a move, and then try to finish. It's all continuous, but – those were sort of the three sections of, of winning. And Fletch does a great job here after the move of closing ground. How much of it is a cat and mouse game, too, between the O lineman and the D lineman? Because, you know, the, the offensive lineman is scouting Fletch. He knows, like, all right, this is how he's going to try and beat me. I'm going to try and quick set it. Fletcher has watched this offensive lineman all week. He knows, he, hey, he might try and quick set me. How, how much of that goes into it? Uh, it's, it's constant. I mean, it's, it's, it's an in game. I mean, like you said, going in, I'm sure Stout will come out here and tell me how he's going to block all these guys, you know, easy and stuff. But, um, you know, that's the game we play. And so, you you know, you go, like you said, you spend the whole week and there's going to be tendencies. Like, listen, you, if you're asking a guy, whether it's an offensive line or defensive lineman to do something completely different that they're not, that they don't do, they're not trained to do that. They're not comfortable with. I mean, that's, that's not a recipe for success either. So at some point there's going to be, you know, some, some sort of falling back on what you're, you know, what you do, but but it is a cat and mouse game because again, offensive linemen will change up their sets. Sometimes they'll short set like this. Now, maybe the next time he's not short setting, he's backing up, and Fletch is trying to make a move, that quick counter move, 
and the, the lineman's not there or the momentum's not there for them. So, um, you know, they're changing their sets. We're changing our moves. You're trying to read body language. I mean, some of it, you know, for the good ones in real time, like you're feeling, okay, hey, he's going to get on me here. Or like I said, in game, uh, hey, this is how he's, you know, they've changed this up or he's doing this to me all the time. I'm going to try to come back at him with this or, or whatnot. So it's a constant, uh, it's a constant back and forth and feedback. And it's, again, it's kind of part of the fun of, of the strategy of, of trying to work this stuff. All right, let's get to uh, Javon Hargrave here, obviously working with uh, some Steelers footage over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I thought this would be fun to watch too. So, you know, one of the things and you're going to see different, so building off of what we just talked about with Fletch, you know, Javon is a little bit shorter. Um, you know, he's probably more about in the 6-1 world. So you'll see here when he uses his power move, um, he does more of a almost what you would see as like a speed to power on the edge. And he's got a two-hand sort of leverage rush. He uses his leverage because he's a little bit shorter. He can get underneath the pads of the lineman. So, you, you know, I mean, he's got that two-hand extension and you can see he's underneath, you know, the guard's pads. So um, his power rush is a little different than Fletch's where Fletch uses his explosion and he's just raw, you know, size and strength. Hargrave does a really good job of using his leverage and getting underneath guys' pads. And he does it with a two-hand sort of almost a speed to power. Like, so you can see like a lot of times you'll see defensive ends do that where they go up the field like a threatened speed rush and then and then work in. He kind of has a similar move as an interior player. So I just he does a really good job of using his leverage. And again, right there at the end to be able to finish and, and shed off. Again, sometimes it's hard to, to finish some of those plays. But um I think his, so again, you can just see his bull rush to me is a little bit of that leverage power rush where he is just getting underneath pads and able to work those guys back because they can't anchor down. You know, a lot of times guards, when they feel bull rush, they try to sit their weight down and kind of reset their feet so they can kind of anchor. And because he gets underneath their pads and kind of lifts them up off the ground, they have a hard time of dropping their weight to just sort of set their set their feet. Malik's a little different again. So again, just trying to highlight that all these guys are, you know, slightly different in, in, in how they approach things. So, you know, where again, whereas Javon's a, a, a shorter power guy, you know, Malik's a little bit taller, longer. Uh, leaner guy. Um, so even his power rushes, um, he's got to kind of put some action on him. You know, he's not just a straight raw power. I'm, you know, like Fletch, I'm going to run through you or Javon, I'm going to kind of get under your pads. So he kind of tends to use this, which is a little bit more of what we call kind of a shake bull. And you'll see even on the shake bull, he tries to work a half man. So he's going to shake. So it's going to be hard to maybe pause this. But like as he comes off the line, you're going to see him give a little kind of give his little wiggle to try to again, see where that guard sets down now. So that guard's kind of on his heels, trying to wait, trying to anchor. And now what, what Malik t likes to do, and he does a good job of it, is he bull rushes like a half man. So you'll see him pry through the inside shoulder here on this guard instead of trying to go down the middle or those sort of things. Again, he he works his quickness to get on a half man. And then again, the same thing we talked about with Javon, being able to power through, uh, you know, power through this, this guy trying to run him past if you're even, you're leaving. And he does a good job of powering eyes to the quarterback. So, again, you know, still a power type move, but again, slight variations in, in the, the way that the three different guys approach it. Um, he, you can see, again, Malik's always trying to work a little shake bowl or, 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 or uh, pry a half man. And so that's kind of his power set, you know. So I thought it was unique that all these guys, you, know, you hear bull rush and there's sort of different variations of these things and, and or power rush and stuff. So, We've been going through this with these guys a lot this offseason and trying to highlight some of the things they do good and how we can enhance those things and whatnot. So it's been fun kind of watching all these guys have their little package.
Yeah, so I, absolutely. And I think when you look at uh, all three guys mentioned the, the three different kinds of bull rushes, the ability to uh, to win and close off the change up as well. Uh, to, to me, one of my favorite things to study in all of football is kind of breaking down protections and finding ways to create those one-on-ones on the defensive front. And, uh, you know, we've seen some of these one-on-one rushes now. So I'm excited just to kind of, you know, for you to give fans just a little bit of a look into, okay, how do defenses try and create those one-on-ones uh, every Sunday. Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned like the, the cat and mouse game uh, of the sort of individual battles and it's the same thing from a schematic standpoint. So as a, as a starting point from a protection thing in general, again, there's, you know, again, Stout's going to come back on here and correct me about the 8 million protections they can have and, and how they're going to beat us all. But um, in general, like what we look for, th- there's going to be what we call a slide side and a man side. You know, so in general, the center is going to turn, you know, one way or another to sort of help to one side. And that's the slide side. Um, so the other side is where we get the one on ones, obviously. Um, so sometimes it's it's unpredictable. So for here, for example, there's not necessarily any keys as you as you go through this here. Um, so pause it. So there you go. So the center is, is sliding to the defensive left. And we see this a decent amount in terms of where Fletch is sometimes if all things are equal. You know, they're going to try to make sure they give help to where Fletch is. But so here you see on the left side. So, you know, Fletch is going to end up getting kind of double teamed. And even where uh, 94, where Sweat is, like those guys are helping. It's almost three over two there, almost more zone blocking. Um, On the right side of the line, it's two on two. It's man to man. If we can predict where the center's going, then we can try to predict where our one-on-ones are and whether we set games that way or just have moves ready to go on that side. So, you know, this is that this is the cat and mouse game of how do we how do we either predict or and sometimes dictate, uh, which we can probably get into a little bit, like how we try to make sure we get the matchups we want or get the the protection that we want. So like in an instance like this, there really was no pre-snap. Um, it may have been something we game planned going in saying, OK, hey, like all things equal, they're going to do this, you know, that again from film study. But um, sometimes it's there's not necessarily any tips or anything. We're just kind of working. But you see here. Um, they slide to our left, so we get one ones on our right. We actually have BG rushing inside here, and he's able to to make an inside move and win because he's on the man side. So again, a lot of yeah. a lot of how we try to set our things up, yeah, is, is a lot of how we try to set our things up is okay. Either a do we know where the center's going or which side's going to be the the slide side, or can we can we force them into to to doing that to sliding where we want them to? And there's different ways we kind of try to manipulate that. And, so you can see right now, okay, the center is pointing to our left, to his right, and the and the tackles kind of echoing that there, right? And what they're saying is, so he's looking at Malcolm. He's worried about Malcolm number twenty-seven being a, a you know a possible threat as a blitzer or or whatnot. So he's telling us right now, hey, I'm going that way. And if you keep running the tape a little bit here, again, now the guard kind of reaches in right there. If you saw, it's kind of subtle. Um, the guard almost the, the left guard kind of says, hey, what are we sure what's the call? And then sometimes it's verbal. But you see the center again kind of flashes that hand and says, hey, I'm going I'm going to, to the right, to the offensive right. So right now, again, that gives us an indication that that's where the center sliding. OK, um, so in this instance, we actually set a game up because, again, even your whether it's one on one pass rush or even your games, you want to work to the man side. Right. You got your two on two there. You got. You know, you're not outnumbered from a blocking scheme. Um, so you'll see. So Fletch and, and Derek are on the right side here. They run a little TE game. 
um, because they know they're on the man side. So we'll try to set this, these games just like we do our one-on-one rushes. And Derek's able to come back down off the game and, and get a sack on, uh, on Jones there. So, and, and again, this is going back to your cat and mouse questions. I mean, there's teams that will dummy point. There's teams that will just use verbals. There's teams that will do the opposite. Um, you know, sometimes a center will point to who the running back's going, which means he's going the opposite way. You know, again, they'll, they'll hard count and fake flash a point. I mean, there's all sorts of the games. So it's, it's, it goes back and forth. I mean, it's not, this seems like it might be simple in terms of how they're pointing, but um, you got to try to, you got to try to get through a lot of noise and, and junk to, to get to the truth sometimes. And they're changing it up sometimes like mid game, right? Where they might do one thing first quarter, second quarter, and then change it up at mm-hmm. halftime. Yeah. Or, or just honestly, and, and we always laugh about like the, the term halftime adjustments. I mean, it's, it's series to series. Like, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll make a couple of changes at halftime all times, but it's ongoing communication. So every time the guys come over, you know, we're looking at the pictures. Okay. Hey, center went to the left. What did he say? What did he, what did he do? Hey, what'd you feel? Did you guys hear anything? You know I mean? That's where it's important to have that, uh, that rapport and, and, and back and forth with your players, you know what I mean? So that we're not on the field. They're giving us the feedback of what they're seeing, what they're hearing, what's happening out there. So it's serious to serious. I mean, Fletch will come over and be like, man, he's doing this. Or when he says whatever, like this is where they're sliding, you know, a lot of, there's, there's a million RNL words and, and, and again, different dummies and stuff. So, uh, yeah, you may have prepped something going in the game and, it, um, you know, and it's totally out the window and that you got to just readjust on the fly and, and reset some things. So, uh, again, that's the stuff I enjoy. Before we get to the next play, you talked about like running games to the man side, you know, so running uh, a TE mm-hmm. stun or running an ET stun. Uh, to the man side of the protection. Why is it that those kinds of concepts work well against man-to-man? If you could just break that down for the listeners. In terms of setting the, the especially, for example, this is these, this is a, a TE game, right? Like Fletch is the penetrator and then Derek comes underneath them. If you go back and look at the other side, um, the reason you try to set this to the man side is we may actually be trying to run this, maybe a double game. So if you watch like the center on this case, if we try to run a game on the left side of our line here, which I think we do like a late, um, but that center is going to be there to clean up any game that comes. So even if we get penetration um, by the, by the tackle in this case is BG and then sweaty comes underneath that center and you watch him, he's trying to go clean them up. You know what I mean? So there's another guy to pick up the games and pass those things off. All right. So again, just think of, you know, playing basketball, you know, if you're if you're playing man to man, that's where you want to run your pick and rolls. If you're playing zone defense, it doesn't work because there's going to be other defenders there to stop you. Um, so that's generally the same concept. So when you're working your quote two man games or even three man games, you're trying to get it where it's it's one on one defense essentially, and and you have a better chance of executing those games and coming home. So I mean, that's kind of the best way I could say it. Like I said, it's a it's pick and roll. You don't run pick and roll when you're you're playing Syracuse in a two-three zone because there's 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 three more bodies in the lane. You know what I mean? So that center, when he turns to one side or the other, he's waiting on any other thing showing up there. So he's gonna clean up a lot of your games. 
Now more than ever, we have come to understand the importance of celebrating special moments with those we love. The Eagles Autism Foundation and Children's Hospital of Philadelphia want to help you commemorate these occasions. Throughout June, you will have the unique opportunity to recognize someone special by posting a message on the video board at Lincoln Financial Field. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Eagles Autism Foundation to learn how to celebrate with a shout out. Great stuff there from Coach Burke. And again, that is just a part of the discussion. Really, it's a little less than half. I cut out a lot of the stuff about counter moves. And honestly, the plays that Coach picked out for this breakdown in particular are such a great illustration of the topic that you really want to make sure you check out the full segment when it drops later this week, Thursday, June 18th at 12 Eastern time for our Coaches Masterclass presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Again, the last few weeks, these have been so much fun. I've been doing Q&A sessions live uh, as the segment premieres live. So make sure you go check that out this Thursday. Thursday, 12 Eastern time. A lot, a lot, a lot of fun uh, that we've been doing with this Coach's Masterclass series. Hope you guys have enjoyed them as well. Uh, again, I've been asking you to kind of, uh, for here on this podcast, kind of, you know, put your imagination cap on and kind of see the plays as he's talking about them, but really, really good stuff on the video version. So make sure you go check that out. All right. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that was just the first part of this episode. Next up, I'm really happy to bring on Chuck Smith to continue this discussion on pass rushers. Here's that interview now for the second part of Chalk Talk. Well, excited to continue talking pass rush here on the Eagle Out in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade with Chuck Smith, one of the best, if not the best, defensive line trainer in the, in the league, in the country. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us here uh, on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Out in the Sky podcast. Brand, thanks for the invite. So let's get into it, man. I, before we jump into like the specifics and you know your process and how you coach these guys up, give us some background, how, how you build up Chuck Smith training and the, the, the pass rush laboratory down there in Atlanta. Well, I've always, always loved pass rush, and I always tell people uh, I live a pass rush life. In 1983, I saw Lawrence Taylor mic'd up years ago, and it's a pretty famous video where he says, you know, we got to hunt like a pack of dogs. And at that time, I'd always taken a big interest in pass rush, even at a young age. So in 83, I was in the eighth grade, and I started studying and watching pass rushers, man, and just had a love for it. And subsequently, I'm moving forward. You know, I had a lot of great coaches, a lot of great coaches that believed in pass rush. Just really a coincidence, because particularly back then, pass rush wasn't looked at as it is now, because football is more of a running game. So... I got a chance to go to Tennessee, had a great D-line coach, Rex Norris, who's one of the all-time greats. He's retired now. And then I get to go to, I get drafted in Atlanta in 1992. Then I get another great pass rush coach, Bill Kolar, who's at Denver right now. And so I had a chance to play with Bill for eight years. But all along, I was teaching pass rushers. I always had a knack and a gift for showing guys pass rush. And, you know, it subsequently carried me through my NFL career where I would work and teach the guys that I was working with. And then all along the way, you know, I had a chance to, you know, I was friends with Reggie White, studied with Dolman, watched, you know, played and watched against a lot of pass rushers. And I always looked at it from a coach's mindset. And so when I retired in 2001, I was watching, I retired in 2001. I was watching TV, watching Inside the NFL. And I was watching, there was a quarterback guru, Steve Clarkston. And I always give Steve credit. I watched them and they were talking about this new trend where NFL teams, were, you know, sending their players to him. And he also had a, a network of quarterbacks that he was training. So me and my wife are sitting there. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm in Carolina. I'm injured, getting retired. And my wife was like, babe, that's what you've been doing all these years. But you haven't been getting paid. So, um, <laughs> so at that time, I realized that, you know, that was in my heart and that was my passion. And that was a gift that I had. So then I was, 
I retired, got my knee together, and um, I went back, moved back to Atlanta from Charlotte, and I started my first company in 2001, D-Line Inc., and I got, um, I, I really kicked it off in 01, but I really got, uh, in 2002 is when I got, um, you know, got a business license and went under, you know, business at 2002, and uh, I started at that time, it was Defensive Line University, then it became D-Line Inc., then I was football, football 365, and around 2010, and uh, I started creating systems and looking at pass rush, how I can improve pass rush training and drills for not only players, but also for coaches. So then I, you know, I transitioned my name to Chuck Smith Training Systems because I would train defensive linemen, pass rushers, everybody in the front seven. And that's kind of, you, know, uh, you know, a short summary of kind of how I got there. It's awesome. It's a really, really awesome story. And obviously so many of the greats that have touched you along the way. Um, let's get into it, though, without giving away your secret sauce, because obviously uh, I don't want to give away too much of your advantage. But what's take us through your process. How do you kind of build a, a guy from uh, from the ground up as a pass rusher? First thing, I try to give them a different way of looking at pass rush. Tell them that there is no no there's no limitations. And that's the first thing you get, because you'll get guys that are shorter. They're tall. They're slow. They might be, you know, challenged in some kind of way. The first thing is letting them know that you can do it. It can be done. You have to just be taught. And that's the first thing. It's a mindset because a lot of guys come in, you know, they get the measurables of kill guys. Well, I'm only 6'1", or I'm defensive end, or I'm only a 5'11", defensive tackle. And they've been told that you're not long enough. You're not quick enough. So the first thing, Fran, is I build in them. <clears throat> there is pass rush moves out there for you. You just have to be taught. Mm, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's guys with all different kinds of body types. You know, you look at Chandler right. Jones and what he does, you know, with his body type versus, you know, Elvis Dumerville and, and Dwight Freeney right. and those guys, completely, completely different skill set. Um, but let's get into, uh, you know, we heard earlier from Coach Burke about uh, all the different defensive tackles for the Eagles, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, Javon Hargrave, and they're different styles of bull rush. Everybody kind of categorizes it as one yeah. bull rush, but they all kind of have a different style. When you're working with guys, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, is when you've got when you're trying to look at a pass rusher, is it more important for them to develop like that one like go-to move as opposed to when they're young in high school or, or in college? And it's like, all right, I've got a handful of moves that are are just okay, but none of them are like my go-to that I know can win on any given down. Well, yeah, that that's <clears throat> that's somewhat of to me, that's like the old school thinking philosophy. Our players are bigger, stronger, more educated on football and movement than ever. So I'm a believer. Yes, I believe you need one move. And that's only if you ain't been taught the other two or three how, when, and why. It's just like a school curriculum. Do we tell kids that, well, you only got to learn subtraction? And is that it? Or you only want to use division? Nah. What we do is we, it's what, it's a development part of as far as a program. So what I believe is this. Yes, we established the signature pass rush move. And that's the move, that's going to be your move that you use 99.9% .9 of the time. But what I believe is this, in your toolbox, you just got to know what tool to pull out when you need it. So you got a guy that speed rushes, but also off that same speed rush, you got a long arm. Also off that same speed rush, you can spin. Also off that same speed rush comes your bull rush. So to me, it's setting up multiple counter combination rushes off of that first one. So I'm not a big believer in necessarily you have to have one, that, but see, we, have a, we do a lot of different things. We know a lot of things, but we don't necessarily use them till we need them, right? So I try to teach the guys why I'm doing it, number one, how to do it, 
when to do it and where to do it. So what happens is just like school, it's continued development. So to me, I'd be stagnating a guy if I just taught him one particular move, because let's look at it like this. One of my favorite clients and <clears throat> one of my best clients, Von Miller. So Von, speed rusher, spin. But I've talked to Von as we start maturing when we can't speed rush guys, we can't spin or we can't bull rush if we don't have that kind of power as we get older. Now what's next? Have I worked on things in my toolbox that could help me enhance me as I, you know, evolve when it comes to some of the, you know, my athletic moves aren't necessarily working. So then after that, now Vaughn's working on some cross chop moves, you know, some things like that. You see Yannick is made, you know, famous right now. You see Robert Quinn using it. You see everybody using the cross chop. So a credit to the pass rusher that has things in his toolbox. You want to absolutely dominate, but there's a difference in Philly between playing in July and then playing in January. So if you're a Philly pass rusher and you try to come off the edge in July, I mean, in, I'm sorry, in February or, or July, I mean, I'm sorry, January, you're going to slip. So now you got to have lateral hand movements on the icy surface in Philly. That's different than when you rush in July when it's every, you know, the turf is not slippery, not slick. There's no snow. So that's another reason why I make sure that guys, I believe in learning multiple moves, particularly when you're a person that eventually you might have to change your rushes. Here's another good example. I'm a guy that has bad shoulders, but I'm going to continue to be a bull rusher. So at that point, the guy who has bad shoulders, he doesn't, he can't strike. He's not going to be the bull rush with effectiveness. So now what? Is it over? So now that guy I would teach, let's go in that toolbox. Why don't we work, a, work on a finesse side scissors move? Why don't we work on a, a double hand swipe, things like that? So to me, that's kind of how I look at it. And, and what Coach Burke is saying is, is totally cool. And I understand, I, Matt, that that's a philosophy of a lot of guys out there. And that works because you want a guy to at least be able to do something. But I believe in teaching guys multiple moves so they'll have them in their toolbox. What is the the key? What are some of the keys to being a great when we're talking physical tool and mental tool or mental skill set? Right. The keys to being a great pass rusher. Well, I think the first key, number one, you got to you got to have a, a aggressive type mindset. You got to have a mindset that I'm confident in what I do because as a pass rusher, you know, you got guys, you, you know, you run, if you rush 50 rushes, you got to have the mindset, the tough mindset that I'm willing to miss 50 to get that 51st sack to win the game for Philadelphia. Right. So that number one. And after that, to me, I start off in my four key components in my system. I start out with vision. Traditionally, everybody says get off. Well, if I get off fast and I ain't got no eyes, it means I'm just blocked fast as hell. All right. So <laughs> what I teach is to improve your get off. If you ever look at a guy who has a slow get off, number one, you'll look at his eyes. I want every time in, in my uh, VGHH system, vision, get off hands and hips, my four key components to develop a pass rusher. I want number one to develop where your eyes should be every rush. Some guys like the ball. Some guys like the knee. I tell them there's two options. You have to make the decision what works best for you. And every rush, you got to have your eyes on that knee. So here's another question. How do I counter if I ain't got no vision? Eyes come in everything. How do I use my hands and swipe them off if I can't see? To be real effective, you have to me starts out with vision. Next, and my four key components is get off. Vision, get off. I want to get off to a spot. So what I teach is when I get off, I want to teach the guys the right approach. The approach in my system is the angle you take to the offensive lineman. That dictates his set. We control everything he does with our get-off and our approach. So when I get off on the ball, what's the angle I take? 
So when you look at pass rushers, if you go and look, Fran, go look at all the pass rushers, guys on the Eagles, all of them. When they win their move, their angle and their approach is 99.9% of the time the same way, right? So it's just like a pitcher. He's going to go through his windup and his approach, but the ball is going to be somewhere different. So that's basically like I'm saying that is the move, the ball, where the ball finishes from a, from a baseball standpoint. So when I'm getting off, I want to get off an attack. My mind frame is I don't go into a rush looking to react. So when I get off on the ball, I'm getting off to attack him with my move, and I believe in the one-second rule. When I get off, I want my hands and attack him with my move at one second. So mine, so, so I'm always saying to guys, one second. Get off, one second. So when I get off, I got to have my hands, and I got to have my move ready at one second. All right, now I got vision, get off. My third key component to my pass rush system is vision, get off. Number three, hands. I want my hands active and violent. I teach them having their hands up, knuckles in front of their nose. I want my hands, so here's another part how my key components work together. How am I going to use my hands if I ain't got no eyes? I can't, right? So when I use my hands, I want my eyes, wherever my hands are, my eyes should be. So I'm attacking these guys. So when it comes to my hands, I want my hands active and violent. And one thing that I teach different than other guys, I don't karate chop. We chop with our thumb down, we rip with our thumb up. Because it's the way your shoulder and your labrum goes down, all those different things. So it has to do with the dynamics of the body, which is, the mm. you know, moving forward. It's the, the evolution of pass rush. So you got vision, get off, hands. And my last one of my four key components to develop a pass rusher from scratch is hips. I want fluid, active hips. So I have 17 hip drills in my VGHH pass rush system drill catalog that we work on hips. I want to be able to bend off my inside knee, change direction off of either foot. So I, when I talk about hips, I want the guy to be able to be explosive whether he plays on the left and the right. So those are the, those are the key components of my principles that I teach from the ground up. So you go to my guys, a lot of my guys say, hey, um, so what do you do when you attack? What, what's, your, what's your progression? Oh, I got vision. I got to have get off. I got my hands, got my hips. But here's the thing that I wanted that was most important is if I developed a system with years and years of working this, studying coaches, working with pass rushers, is that when I rush the passer, when I'm on the sideline, how do I fix myself? Everybody, everything's great when you're doing good. So yeah. when I'm on the bench, coach is going through the substitution, okay? We're talking about alignment. Now I'm struggling. I'm going to go on the field. Okay, vision. God, am I using my eyes? That's why I can't get off. I'm realizing I haven't seen I haven't seen my offensive threat. Okay, wow. Am I getting off on the ball? Okay, I've been getting off. Hands, I ain't using my hands. So the four key components in the hips, they show up. I want it to be when we're when we're when we're doing really good, everything's good. But I want guys to be the, the system service guys when I'm struggling and I need those four quick key components to get me back on track so I can perform. Uh, I love that. That's awesome stuff. Uh, my last question for you is this, and we, we kind of touched on this in the beginning of the conversation where you said, you know, you can work with any kind of body type, any kind of limitation. There's, there's yep. an answer for it. But my question for you is this, and we, we, I talk about this anytime we've got an expert in any kind of position, cause I'm always trying to learn more about yeah. what's quote unquote fixable and what's not going from college to the NFL, from high school to college. When you're looking at guys coming out, what is the hardest thing to fix? Everything's fixable. What is the hardest thing to kind of coach a guy out of or coach a guy into when you're looking at pass rushers? Well, I think the hardest thing to coach a guy out of, and, and this is, again, something that I look at a lot differently that I've developed over the years from a mind from mm-hmm. studying these guys, you're a great athlete. The athlete tag is one of the hardest things to get out of athletes 
now who want to be pass rushers. Because you've been told from the time you went to the Nike opening, the Adidas five stripes or the big man battle in your neighborhood in, in North Jersey or South Jersey and Willingboro or wherever, you know, is that I'm an athlete. So for the high charge guys, when you're told and you're an athlete, basically what college coaches and high school coaches do, when you're an athlete, you don't have to learn nothing. Just you're an athlete. Pass rushes are born. You don't need moves. Just be an athlete. <laughs> So when you're an athlete, basically that gives you a, that's an excuse for you not to have to learn moves or them to teach you moves. So when I get these guys, they, when they think they're athletes, they get into the league and they always try to out athletic them. They always try to out athlete them instead of having great technique because it's been proven. We've even in Philly, I know people hate to hear Mike Mamula, greatest athlete, maybe in Philadelphia Eagles history as far as pass rushers is concerned. But then you look at him, he never what developed signature moves. Now let's look at another great Philadelphia Eagles and one of the all-time great pass rushers that I have seen when it comes to one move, Trent Cole. Trent isn't even on the, in the conversation as an athlete like Mike Mamula, right? But what does he do? He doesn't look at himself as an athlete. He looks at himself as a technician, so he uses his moves. The guy that's an athlete, he never develops signature pass rush moves or he's disciplined enough because he's been told forever, you're a great athlete, it's supposed to happen to you. And that's, to me, as far as a, a, in a nutshell, from a, a, an athletic guy, is one of the hardest things to get out. And look in the NFL. I, I can go down the list of them. And you go look at all these tall, long guys that are athletes that aren't successful. Another thing was happening, too, you got uh, basketball players that are becoming – these are the draft picks. You know, these are the long guys. So, to me, they're coming in as athletes, but they're never told – you know what? You really need to use this move until it's too late. And you're looking at him. He's on his what? He's on his uh, fifth was it fifth year option. And you're like, wow, he never developed. But it starts when they're young, when they're branded an athlete, which can be a career killer as much as I, where I see it. I lied. I've got one more for you. <laughs> I've got one more question. When you're looking at guys that uh, – Oh, dude, you know, I could talk about this all day. So my, my last question for you is this. Uh, you talk about speed versus power. Do you right. view as one being more important than the other in today's NFL? Well, I'll tell you why I don't. And let me tell you this. To me, speed is great. But to me, the most important part of a pass rusher is speed, not as much speed with power, speed with lateral movement. Everything a pass rusher does is in a five-by-six-yard area. That, that's, the, that's the holy grail in that area from the, from, the, from the line of scrimmage, probably somewhere between five, six yards back to the quarterback. So to me, from that standpoint – to me, it has to do with can you change direction in that short area? Because we can't run straight. A 40, a 10-yard dash doesn't matter at the NFL Combine when it comes to what Coach Burke is looking for in the game. If any of his pass rushers are going 10 yards, probably take him out of the game because he's ran way past the quarterback. So speed can be misleading. 40-yard dash doesn't mean anything. Only time a 40-yard dash means something to a pass rusher. They've thrown a deep ball and you're chasing the ball or you're running a running back has ran downfield. So – to me, it has to do with the lateral movement and the ability to change quick and have that that uh, that jitterbug quickness. Now, let's talk about power. Power, you got to have some sort of power in there to at least keep guys off balance. But let me tell you why it's more important than ever. And your, your viewers and listeners, they're, they're gonna, this is going to come to pass because it hadn't come out yet a lot. The NFL, they're ban not banning, they're taking away the term the bull rush. There will not, the bull rush is changing. This year, the NFL players will not be able to lead with their hat and hands in the traditional bull rush sense. So now the bull rush is going to be taken out of the game somewhat. It's going to be called a power rush. You got to lead with your hands first. Hands first. Now, you know, that takes a lot, Fran. You know, bull rush is bull. It's 
it's a you're cracking helmets. It is what it is. So now with the power rush, it's going to make it more important. Now you got to have some moves. So you're always going to be able to now it's going to be more of a big man tussle, I'd say. More like a, a you know, like you're pressing the guy out. So now it's more important now for guys to have counter rushes, develop quick signature pass rush moves when it comes to, you know, being able to off, offset the power. So if you just got power and they're going to change the rules, they, they, they're they adjusting the rules in the NFL. And it's a fact. It's going to be when everybody gets to camp, you're going to hear the guys complaining. Right. But it has to do with the head safety, you know, the safety from the head. So as you move along, if you're all power, you're going to have some challenges. It's, it's really going to be interesting. A lot of belly-to-belly belly we'll be seeing with a lot of these big guys. Chuck, <laughs> All right, dude, belly belly. That's right. Well, Chuck, thanks so much again for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Fran. Have a good day, man. Great stuff there from both Coach Burke and Chuck Smith, who you can follow, just like I do, on Twitter, at ChuckSmithNFL. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. New handle. Make sure you go follow me on Twitter, at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And while we were talking about the podcast over at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We're now, what, a a handful of episodes in on Return Game, the newest podcast from Eagles Entertainment. If you are a fan of Eagles history, if you're a big Eagles fan, even if you want to learn more about some of the biggest games in history, you got to start here with Season 1 about the House of Pain game. The first few episodes have been so much fun to follow along with. Uh, I've made a couple of appearances here uh, to start the series off, so hope you guys have enjoyed it. If you haven't already, make sure you go subscribe to Return Game wherever podcasts can be found. You know I appreciate everybody that promotes all of our podcasts on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other way is to go onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, and even leave us a comment. And I want to give a quick shout-out to somebody who did exactly that right here left a five-star review on our Apple podcast page saying how much he loves the coaching points and the coaches on specific details of the game from this Masterclass series. It's great to be able to get an inside look at the mind of a coach and how they perceive what we see on the field. And the question from right him is this, when a prospect or a wide receiver in the NFL has drops, how is that discussion Uh, Or how is that discussed between coaches and the player? For example, would a focus drop be the wide receiver was just tired and couldn't grip the ball? Or would it be more along the lines of having too much info in their head or both? And uh, right here, well, that's a a layered question. It's obviously it's going to be an individual kind of basis. And I I would implore you to go check out uh, the podcast we did last summer, actually, uh, with really one of the best wide receiver coaches in all of college football. He's currently the offensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. Josh Gaddis. We talked with him. It was just about a year ago uh, here on the Eagle Line the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. And uh, you know, we t- one of the, as with every guest that we have on, I took a lot of notes from that conversation, and so I just went back, reflected on those notes. We talked about this exact topic, and uh, Coach Gaddis said that drafts can be divided really into three groups. The first, you've got poor eye discipline. So making sure you look the ball in, don't let it cross your eyes. This is something that's coachable, right? Then you've got poor hand placement. You know, your elbows uh, are within the framework of your body. They're not folded out. You want to make sure your pinkies and thumbs uh, are together on the, you know, you have the belly button rule, you know, make sure that your hands are turned the right way. No diamonds, no making diamonds uh, with your hands. That's also coachable. Then you've got the poor body position, the body control, the ball judgment. That would be what I would refer to as ball skills, that those are hard to coach. And so 
all of those things coming to matter. You brought up a great point that sometimes the mental side of it, you know, I think, um, you know, Nelson Aguilar talked about that early in his career was that, you know, as you're learning the game, as you're trying to pick up everything mentally, I know Mike Mayock talked about that at the Combine this past February that, you know, when you have young receivers coming out of, out of college, those guys, they're, they, are, they have so much more information thrown their way than what they had at the college level when they get to the NFL. They have to know everything that's coming. So a lot of these guys, when they get those signal in from the sidelines, you know, people talk about that from a mental side for the quarterback, but for the receivers, it's it's equally as tough. And so, you know, when you have to worry about all the different things you're asked to do at the, at the NFL level in terms of, you know, knowing the concept, knowing the route adjustments, being able to read the coverage, you're reading the leverage, not just of the defender right across from you, but over the course of the entire coverage shell, you're doing all that and making sure that you're running the route at the precise technique and making sure that you have the right depth and all that. Yeah, sometimes you you don't really succeed at the catch point because you have so much mental strain uh, put on your body. So there's a lot of things that go into it. I thought the catching technique stuff that Coach Gaddis brought up in those notes uh, was spot on as well. So there's a lot of things that go into into drops. That really comes down to the wide receiver coach and the wide receiver relationship, right? And being able to find kind of solve. All right, well, why did this drop happen? Why did that drop happen? You know, how do we prevent these from happening in the future? So thanks so much, right him for the review and the comment. Thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.